Before the episode begins, just wanted to acknowledge that uh, yesterday we all heard the news that Angelo Badalamenti had passed away, the great composer who worked with Lynch through really the majority, most of his work even, everything from Blue Velvet through The Return. And his unforgettable music obviously opens every episode. He contributed to Floating Into the Night with uh, David Lynch and Julie Cruz, the album that produced Floating, which we play to open and close every episode. So we're already hearing his music, but I wanted to play a little more here uh, in tribute. Uh, last night, just going through YouTube and Twitter, watching all these clips, uh, I'll link some of them below. Of course, the one where he discusses composing Laura Palmer's theme with David Lynch is a classic, but also uh, the music from The Straight Story, which I feel like gets overlooked a lot. It's, it's a totally different vibe but it's so beautiful and has some of the same spirit that he has in his other work. So I'll play that at the end of this episode as well to take us out for a little bit of a change of pace. But uh, today as we prepare for the mythology, I want to open with this track, Moving Through Time, one of the great pieces of music in Twin Peaks. I mean, there's so many, but this is from Firewalk With Me and people have described it. I think, I don't know if it was <laughs> Lynch or Badalamente or just somebody listening but they described it as like the instruments are like the spirits talking to one another. So let us take that into uh, the floating song that opens every episode. So RIP, Angelo, you will be missed. Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode covers Season 3, Part 15, Mythology. Scenes that take place in the spirit world and also lodge lore scattered throughout the episode. For the spirit world, we don't have any scenes in the Red Room and no scenes in the Purple World Tower as well, but we get a lot of scenes in the Convenience Store Motel, or I should say a lot of screen time. It's actually only two scenes. The really long one where Mr. C goes there, and then later during the end credits as the music continues to play, we just linger on that location. It obviously is something that appeals to Lynch. So in this location, we see uh, Mr. C walking up the convenience store led by a woodsman, and they disappear, and uh, it's like a stairway that goes nowhere. There's no door. It's kind of cool in that sense. There's like almost like a Magritte painting or something. It's a stairway to nowhere, but it is going somewhere because they disappear, and then they start walking through this strange room that is uh, very familiar from Firewalk with me. It's got the same wallpaper as that space that Laura walks through in her dream, uh, which I believe also has the same wallpaper or the same is the same set as uh, the room above the convenience store where uh, Mike and Bob and all the other spirits are dancing and moving around. That's where we first saw the woodsman and the electrician. And in this scene, the woodsman and the electrician are conflated. 
where we have a woodsman sitting at the box, the electrical box, sparking it up. And we do get a shot of the jumping man with Sarah's face overlapping with him. It's so quick, I really can't see it when I watch it. I've only been able to notice it when people have freeze-framed it, that there's like an image of her face stretched out over the jumping man. And then Cooper goes into another, walks through that, you know, hallway, through the corridor, and he approaches another stairway. And as he as he approaches this with the woodsman, we see the woods fade in and out of this. So like there's a, there's a strong implication that this convenience store is another manifestation of the woods. Like it's, it's another image of the woods somehow. The two locations are not just connected, but one almost kind of stands in for the other and perhaps vice versa. It's where the two worlds coincide. He goes up the stairs, he walks out, and then we have him walk out into the courtyard of a motel, uh, which in itself is surreal because... Certainly this has no relation to the stairway he walked up. And furthermore, how was he walking out up on the second floor and, and coming out on like a ground level? Uh, obviously that can be possible if you're on a hill or something, but there's no reason to really believe that's the case here. He walks through this motel courtyard. It's the actual motel featured in Firewalk With Me that Teresa was in with Leland and that uh, Laura and Renette came to. It's the same location, whether it's supposed to be the same place we can talk about uh, in the Laura Palmer section. But he's greeted by somebody called the Bosomy Woman in the credits, this woman uh, in, a, in a night robe who opens the door for him. He goes in, and he's looking at this empty room, and then it kind of dissolves again. There's all of these dissolves between locations in this sequence. Like, there's, she's just traveling through different skins of different worlds and this is where that giant tea kettle looking thing emerges and we see Jeffries there and he has a long conversation with Jeffries so it's funny to describe all this here I think the reason I came up with a spirit world section before was that most of those early scenes in the spirit world had Cooper in them and I don't have like a Cooper story section I have him in Vegas I have you know Mr. C but it made sense to have like a, a separate section for the stuff in the red room in episodes in parts one and two but now Mr. C and the spirit world stuff are just completely overlapped so really this could be in either section it could be in the Mr. C section or this one and we see a lot of that in this episode you know this is where plots are really bleeding into each other more more now we also see nothing in the zone. It's just the convenience store motel among the spirit world locations this week. For Lodge Lore, we have the crackling power lines that we first glimpsed through uh, Andy's vision. We now see those in a shot of their own. As Mr. C drives towards the convenience store, we see a woodsman waiting outside the store. They phase in and out on the stairs under the light, kind of flickering the way Cooper does in uh, the first part one in the very first scene where he's talking with the firemen. I've already talked about how we phase in between the woods and this convenience store, the room of the convenience store. Right away, when Mr. C comes into this space, he's looking for Jeffries. He announces his intentions. That's why he's here. This is apparently the Dutchman's, if we believe what Ray said earlier. That becomes more obvious in the final dossier. They talk about a motel, a mysterious motel called the Dutchman's that uh, was like a gambling joint or something. And of course, this is a reference to the, uh, the Flying Dutchman, this ship, this like ghost ship. So it's like a ghost motel or something like that, or a ghost convenience store as well that keeps flickering in and out. We do actually see the convenience store disappear at the end of this sequence after Richard and Mr. C drive away. There's like an explosion, smoke, light coming out of it and coming in, phasing in and out, and finally it just disappears, overlap with how we saw it in the atomic bomb cloud. And there's a sense, really, I think, in which it represents some kind of power unleashed by that explosion, where the atomic bomb almost kind of created it. I'm 
Not sure what more to say about it at this point, but we're drawn back to Part 8 also through the use of music. They play Threnody for the victims of Hiroshima as Mr. C walks through this space with the woodsman. We see the woodsman as the electrician, the jumping man who has Sarah's face. They walk through the corridor that's also the woods, the motel parking lot. I wonder who this woman in the bathrobe is. Why does she come about? Uh, why is this new figure kind of introduced? I think with this stuff, Lynch just goes stream of consciousness. And then later, maybe he finds some new things for it to do or some new, I don't know if explanations is even the right word but uh, he finds new uses for them. Interesting to note that when Mr. C is in the motel room and he's looking around and, and waiting for Jeffries to appear, there's like a wall with a radiator that then kind of fades away and almost kind of draws like a curtain and we see Jeffries behind it. So Jeffries is behind the radiator, just like the lady, the lady in the radiator in uh, Eraserhead. So that's a nice touch. Mr. C says to him, we, you, you came to Philadelphia in 1989. This is actually wrong. This is something, there's no real way around this. This is something Lynch and Frost got wrong in the script because in Firewalk With Me, uh, the, the movie takes place in 1989 and the scene in Philadelphia is a year earlier because at the end of that scene, Cooper is sent to look for Chet Desmond and Sam and uh well just Chet Desmond and Deer Meadow and he can't find him and he says who knows the killer will come back who knows where when and then it says one year later now the reason that they may misremember that is because in the original script that scene uh, the Philadelphia scene was supposed to take place in 1989 it was supposed to be cut interspliced with Laura scenes like we're supposed to see Laura going to school walking to class snorting cocaine in the bathroom and all that and then we cut to Philadelphia and we get the, the scene there, and then we cut back to Twin Peaks. So it was supposed to take place at the same time. And actually, if you watch the movie closely, you can hear that Gordon's and Albert's lines are like overdubbed. So the idea of him saying, you know, Chet, De Chet Desmond has disappeared, and where is Chet Desmond, and all this stuff, that was added after they shot the scene. So they shot it to take place in 89, and then they moved it to 88 for editing purposes, just because it made more sense to put it before he went to Deer Meadow. Mary Sweeney and Lynch decide that. So maybe it's just a wreck on his part. Maybe he feels like, no, it was supposed to take place at the same time as Laura. Maybe they just forgot, but for whatever reason, that's an interesting snafu in the Lodge lore. Also, the scene from Fire Walk With Me, the black and white scene with Jeffries coming in and pointing, this is overdubbed by the same guy who's doing the voice for Jeffries uh, as, the, as the kettle figure. And apparently, as I said last week, that was because Bowie didn't like his southern accent, even when he was still alive and giving permission for them to shoot and use his footage. He said, you can use the footage, but you can't use the soundtrack. Jeffrey's dialogue, as I said, is pretty bizarre and disconnected. He seldom responds directly to what Cooper says. He just kind of takes it in a different direction. And then he blows out numbers and smoke. Uh, suggesting coordinates that, that Cooper can find what he's looking for at. And they have a long conversation, well, not really a conversation, they have an extended exchange about Judy, which mostly consists of Mr. C asking, who is Judy, what does she want, and Jeffrey's being evasive, saying, well, why don't you ask her herself? You've already met Judy. And he goes, what are you talking about? Who is Judy? Who is Judy? And he's getting angry about it. And this suggests he doesn't actually know who she is. Like, he knows maybe he's supposed to be looking for her, and he has a little bit of information about her. There's one other bit of mythology lodge lore in this episode, and that's when the log lady says, watch for the one under the moon. This is referring to Hawk's map, where there is the little figure little circle with the horns coming out of it floating beneath the moon on on hawk's map and that's the same figure that we saw or the same icon that we saw drawn on mr c's card back in part two 
and most people seem to associate that pretty logically, I would say, with the experiment. If you look at the figure, it has horns. The figure that you see in the uh, floating in the cloud, you know, spitting out the, the bob spew. There's like uh, these small little folded over hooked horns or ears on top of it. It also looks, of course, like the owl cave ring, just with a circle instead of a diamond or whatever. Um, it's definitely supposed to resemble that as well, I think. That's it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can support this work on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Tomorrow's episode continues with the part 15 theme, but stepping a little bit off the Twin Peaks reservation to look at what was going on in the world around this episode premiere. So in the summer of 2017, we're going to talk about what was in the news, number one movie at the box office, and the cover of Time Magazine that week. Although I think in this case... Uh, This was Time's week off, so we have one less thing to discuss in that case. Mm